You're listening to Lighten Up with the Declutterista, and I'm your host, Becky Bass, the Declutterista. I'm all about having fun with mom life, decluttering, and interviewing inspiring guests. So I had a very interesting weekend. Um, I actually met my college roommate in New York City. She's living in New Jersey now. So I was trying to figure out what's the best way to get there. I ended up taking the bus. Not so sure about that anymore. It was it was comfortable. It was just kind of, you know, between getting into Boston to take from South Station and taking kind of forever. Um, so we had a good time. I let her play in the whole thing. We ended up going to see Wicked. And it was my second time seeing it, but it was just, it was really impressive in New York City, but I was actually falling asleep during it. Um, so that, that just shows like how, you know, tired I am and how exciting I am now. We actually got tickets. We're like, oh, what are we going to do after? Because in college, I always wanted to go out dancing and my roommate, Caitlin, was always humoring me and going. So she's like, we can go dancing. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't really do that. I'm like, a comedy show will be good. So we picked up some on the street because some guy approached us and all that stuff. So we had him all ready to go. But I'm like, I'm not going to make it. So then Sunday, we were trying to figure out what to do. She's like, oh, do you want to sightsee Empire State Building? I'm like, eh. I'm like, ooh, I've been hearing about this Korean spa in New Jersey. Um so we figured out how to get there. Apparently there's a shuttle that takes you there. So that was pretty cool. And I got kind of a heads up from, I've heard some friends gone there and the woman on the shuttle, I'm like, have you been here before? What to expect? So she kind of gave me the heads up. I knew there'd be some nudity. Um, so that was, she's like, yeah, it takes about five minutes to get used to that. I'm like, eh, I don't know. Um, so we get there and we decided to sign up. I've heard a lot of things about a full body scrub and um, that it's pretty aggressive. Um, and so my roommate and I, we signed up for that and a massage and it was quite an experience. I literally, there were so many factors. I was like, okay, try to remember this because this is good stuff for the podcast. Um, but first of all, not to be gross, I'm kind of a gross person, but like it was like having a cheese grater on you for like <laughs> for like an hour. Um, and they kind of covered your eyes. And I wanted uh, people talked about like all the dead skin that's lying around you. So I was kind of curious what that looked like. So I kind of got a little bit of a peek. So that was interesting. Um, so and then you had to like get on and off and it was like super slippery. So I'm just picturing myself like falling to the ground. And then you get like this dead skin around you. And then, you know, I'd try to get a look at it, but then they'd like throw a bucket of water on you. Um, it was just, it was just quite an experience and, uh, my skin is very smooth. So I highly recommend that. Um, the nudity thing wasn't that, wasn't that big of a deal. It took me like no seconds. Um, but if you're like a people watcher, that's not, that's not a good situation. Um, so I highly recommend, checking out the Korean spa. I think it was called King's um, Spa and Sauna. And uh, it's definitely an experience. I thought it would be more painful to be scrubbed like like with the cheese grater, but it wasn't that bad. I'd say the massage was a little bit was a little bit intense, but um, definitely an interesting ex cultural experience. We had some um, Korean food after and it was it was definitely something to remember. I feel like I used to always want to experience new things, and now I'm like, nah. But this was definitely uh, got my my interest in in trying new things. Um, so that's my random uh, weekend for you, and I'm going to give you a decluttering tip. 
Um, a lot of people think decluttering has to be a big drawn out event. You have to go on, you know, on your vacation, you have to declutter, um, or, you know, spring cleaning. I like to, was a couple times where I like to declutter, like, let's say you have a cleaning person. I think if you're already going to have a clean house, maybe that can also motivate you to feel, have that light decluttered, not just shoving things into drawers, but so, or when you have people over, that's a good time to get motivated. Um, Because if you're just going to make plans and just declutter, I mean, if the weather's nice, you'd rather do other things. You'd rather, you know, have coffee with friends unless you're me and you just enjoy so much helping people declutter. So I'd kind of group it with something that's already happening. happening. Um, That's my tip. And also just as you're going through your house, just normally throughout your day, if you see something that you're not using or you don't like or it stresses you out, just put it towards the door doesn't have to be, I mean, you could just go through and do 10 minutes a day. It doesn't have to be a major thing. You don't have to take everything out of your kitchen and just stress out that, oh, um, oh, I didn't finish that project again. I, I hear a lot of people get stressed out about not leaving themselves enough time. You literally can just open your junk drawer to look for something and then see these other random things and just take them out and put them towards the door. And I always put things towards the door because that means it's going to go in my car and I'm going to donate it or it's going to go recycle trash or I'm going to give it to someone else. Um, So that's why I always put things by the door. It helps me feel like I'm getting somewhere. If you just have it lying around in a bag somewhere, it's a little bit less exciting. So that's my decluttering tip. Group it with something else that you have to do so you feel totally decluttered or um, just do it as you go through your day if you see something that you're not using or you don't like. I'm really excited to be here with Dr. Susan Trotter and Denise Fitzpatrick. Both of them were um, counselors and now they're turning more into relationship coaches. So I'm really excited to get them here and to talk about all all the things. And I think right off the bat, let's talk about sex, baby. (laughs) Let's loosen us up a little bit. Let's loosen us up. So, So what comes to mind is how important is sex. Is this really a big deal? I'm I'm hearing from the male perspective, yes. So I just wanted to hear your perspective in terms of, um, Susan, what do you think? How big is this topic? So I think it depends in part on what people's needs are. And it intimacy is important in a relationship and helps to create more connection. Um, but really, it's about communication between the partners. And and verbalizing what their needs are and being able to talk openly about that. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that, too. And so a lot of times what I like to um, talk to couples about around sex, because often the problems present with people feeling like one person wants it more than the other person, right? So, that, But if you just know that there's always going to be a desire discrepancy, Right. Mm. And so like anything else in a relationship that needs to be negotiated, there needs to be negotiation around sex as well. So what are your thoughts on scheduled? (laughs) My single friends like horrified that that happens. But would you say that's that's pretty common? I absolutely yep. recommend that to couples, <laughs> especially couples right. with small children absolutely. who feel like, oh, my God, what happened to our sex life after we had kids, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you've got young children like that, if it's not happening, there's an, 
the biggest the biggest thing is people need to get over the idea that we shouldn't be scheduling. It's okay to schedule it. If it makes it happen, right. then who that, cares? That's a good thing. Right? Right. Yeah. Right. And the other thing, too, I was thinking about, like, differences, like you talked about the desire discrepancy. Differences right. aren't the problem. It's how you negotiate those differences, whether it's about sex or sleep or uh, chores or whatever else That's it right. might be. It's really all about how you communicate and, and navigate those differences. Mm-hmm. See, my thing with communication is the times that I see my husband are times that I'm not at my best. (laughs) So it's first thing in the morning when I'm rushing around and it's at night where I'm tapped out. I've just, um, you know, I've just hung out with the kids. I've worked. I've seen clients. I've been my lovely bubbly self. (laughs) But then I'm super depleted at the end of the day. And I think he deserves more Mm -hmm. than like cranky Becky. Um, So, I mean, what do you guys think if you know those patterns? Like what what can someone do in that situation? Because I think like for my husband, he wants to chit chat. I'm just like, oh, God, can we just watch TV? (laughs) So I think they deserve a little bit more Mm -hmm. than that. But I'm just so done. And I think there's Mm -hmm. obviously you're comfortable they can get away with that sort of Mm -hmm. behavior. One of the an exercise I often recommend with couples is scheduling besides time for sex, scheduling time to just sit and talk with each other. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be Mm -hmm. hours because you probably don't have hours in a day to do that. Um, But if you can schedule a couple times a week, some designated intentional time to just sit and talk without any distraction. And really there are some other pieces like to listening, really listening and hearing each other that can make a huge difference Mm -hmm. for those and kind of compensate in some ways for those times where you might not be at your best because it's really again about feeling connected Mm -hmm. and doing all different kinds of things to make that happen are you guys so were you going to say something i was just going to say i think it's about prioritizing the relationship because again when you've got small children like you do right it's easy to sort of put your husband or the marriage the coupleship on the back burner right mm. so you give your best to your kids or the people outside your home and then it's like oh well I don't that's just not a priority right I don't mm-hmm. have that time for you so really knowing I've got to make this a priority so how do I make my mornings a little slower so I can have some give my husband some attention or how do I de-stress in the evening so that we can find a way to reconnect mm-hmm well, that makes a lot of sense. It's also the other thing I was thinking, it's also communicating and understanding what each other needs at the end mm-hmm. of the day, for example. Like mm-hmm. for you, it might be tuning out with the TV. And for him, it sounds like talking. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, finding a way, you know, to maybe talk for 10 or 15 yep. minutes so that he gets a little bit of what he needs. And then he may be more available to just sit and zone out watching TV with you. So then you also get what you need. But it's really understanding for yourself what helps you to to de-stress and being able to convey that. And then, as you said, prioritizing the relationship enough in a way to to give each other what you need. That sounds great. I mean, it's just, it's interesting how I can be like naturally bubbly. It comes naturally, but so easily triggered at home. So do you know, like, do a lot of your clients, can they feel those triggers coming? And do they know how, like, what would you suggest if you feel like you're getting triggered? And just some what the communication is not going to be good. What do you guys suggest with that? 
Um, well, one of the things I really encourage people to do is to get to know themselves better and identify the signs that they're getting triggered and to try to catch it as early as possible. Because if you don't notice it's happening and then you're triggered and then it's just this, it can be like a, an explosion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the earlier in that process, you can identify it and catch it and do some things to um kind of settle things down because what happens when we get triggered when we get overwhelmed and this is true for all of us is there's a part of our brain that shuts down that makes it really hard for us to think clearly Mm -hmm. it's kind of that saying like i couldn't think straight Mm -hmm. well you literally can't think straight in those moments when you're triggered and so if you can recognize what the signs are early and then give yourself some time or some space for things to settle down and for that part of your brain to come back into function Mm -hmm. you then can kind of come back together and talk in a more reasonable way, way about whatever the issue is. Is that your toddler brain taking over and your uh, decision-making part of your brain? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. So, okay, so yeah. it's legit. It's, yeah. I feel, because I do feel a little out of control. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. everybody There's, does when that part right. of the brain is activated, right? <laughs> yeah. And it tends to be in close relationships, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you're in that pattern of being triggered by each other, it becomes so automatic. Right. You don't really have a lot of conscious thought. Mm-hmm. Um, some people call it the reptilian brain mm-hmm. that takes over, right? Yep. And so when you're so on automatic pilot and you're not really aware of what's happening, then that's what you're going to just react. So right. it's really about, I think you were saying, Susan, is like bringing awareness, getting to know yourself, knowing when you're triggered, when you start to feel that happening with inside of you mm-hmm. to pause to breathe to think about what you want to say before you say it and that i mean it, it sounds so simple right. but it takes a lot of practice it to does. really get a hold of that impulse to react mm-hmm. and and it takes practice also and in, in a lot of mindfulness and intention learning what your signs are everybody mm-hmm. experiences it differently for some it's maybe very physiologic you know you might start to um sweat or your heart starts to race um, and for others, it may be more cognitive more or more kind of emotional. Um, so it's really about learning what those signs are for yourself. And then, as Denise said, practicing um, the pause before yeah. you re- respond. And it's like practicing it over and over right. and over again. Mm-hmm. And like after, if you know you haven't kind of you haven't done it well, it's okay to reflect on that, recognize it, maybe even apologize if things didn't go well and just make an intentional practice or deciding like next time I want to do it this way Mm -hmm. so that that's somewhere in your mind when you find yourself getting triggered again. It's like retraining your brain and retraining yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. So Denise, you mentioned, um, I was setting your website because it's lovely. Um, What are some of the steps that you talk about to transform a relationship? So we speaking specifically about the stop fighting, start talking. Yeah, like yeah. the communication right? things like that. So I think first people need to really recognize what's not working because often we're just so caught up in what's happening. Again, kind of on autopilot, we're just stuck in this place, this same cycle, this repetitiveness, and we don't know why, we don't know how to get out. And so really it's recognizing what's not working first, okay, and then deciding we need to do something different. What we're doing isn't working. So we need to do something different Mm -hmm. and deciding what that is. And again, that sounds simple, but if you just are on autopilot and not thinking about what's happening, 
you're not going to be able to make any changes, right? Mm -hmm. So decide what it is you want to do differently, right? How do you want this conversation or how do you want this pattern to be different next time? I mean, that's like the first, that would be the first step. Mm -hmm. That's great. I like, I noticed that, okay, so at first I was thinking, what if your partner does not want to come to therapy with you? But I remember you saying at a meeting that you will see them individually and you can make a lot of progress that way as well. Um, Because a lot of times you can't, you guys agree, you kind of can't change another person. I've learned that. (laughs) So this is good that you can work on them showing up in a different way. So That's right. Yeah. 100% around the you can't uh, change the other person. I mean, that's a huge theme in the work that I do because most couples will come in. I would say you'd probably agree. Susan is they're blaming each other, right? And they kind of show up and bring their partner in like, okay, fix them. And you can't fix them. Mm -hmm. Right. And so one of the biggest, I think, mental hurdles to get over for people is, is knowing that, no, it's about you changing yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can't change another person. So change what you can control. And the only thing you can control is yourself. Right. That's such a huge point. I, I, I emphasize that so much with people that we, we can't control other people, right. what they do, what they say, and we can't always control circumstances either. What we do have control over always is how we respond to whatever's in front of us, mm-hmm. whatever the situation is. And that's where your power is. Mm-hmm. It's right. not in trying to change him or her or the situation. It's, it's, choosing how to respond to whatever is in front of you. Right. Totally. Because actually, like you were saying, that's where your your power is because right. when you allow somebody else to – when you believe somebody else is controlling how you think, feel, behave, that's when you're totally – you've lost your power. Right. Yeah. Right? I wish you're I saying it's dependent on everything outside of me. Right. Yeah. Right. That would be really great for people to know right away in relationships, yeah. you know. Yes. Right. Well, it's interesting. In schools, they're doing more and more social-emotional learning. Great. Um, so I, I don't know what the curriculum looks like exactly because mine is – my child is much older. But yeah. um, I, I hope that they're addressing some of these kinds of things. Well, I, I personally didn't learn that for a very long time. Yeah. In my 30s would have been nice. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've been married almost 20 years now, and I would say I probably didn't get it until about maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, so I think it, I don't think it's something that comes naturally to people. Right, right. You I know? mean, we're... The we, other part, I, I think thinking we can change people is... Well, that's more natural, is, right? Right, more natural. <clears throat> yeah, I was thinking about, because I'm really into the mindset stuff and, you know, how your thoughts control your feelings... Sometimes I do feel like my feelings are so there. I don't even know, you know, so the, so that piece. But I remember because in the morning I'm triggered. I, When I'm not being conscious about it, I'm triggered by my husband because I'm very go, 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 go. And he's relaxing, getting up slowly, moving really slowly, taking a 30-minute shower. And I'm like, boom, boom, boom. So instead of when I see him first thing in the morning, be like, oh, my God, he's so slow. He's so not helping. Like, how is that really going to help my relationship? So I started to, like, say, oh, look at that man. He's so nice. <laughs> I mean, I know you have to choose a realistic yes. thought, but he really is kind. He's so kind. He loves us. Hmm, I wonder which one's going to have a better, you know. Yeah. So to think that you have that power to choose yeah. those thoughts. I mean, I was told it has to be realistic. But were you feeling differently be, though? When I thought when the you good thought one? Different, when you were thinking different thoughts? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that it just has to be possible. It doesn't right. have to be yeah. accurate at in the right. moment. Like you don't have to 100% believe it. It okay. needs to be plausible. Right. 
So that I think that's mm-hmm. just I mean, imagine thinking every day getting frustrated like, oh, my God, he's so slow and not helpful. Like, yes. that's not helping. Any, that's not that drama is not helping anyone. So I want to talk about something exciting. Single life. OK, so, <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I think I feel like a lot of at least my group of friends, married people were like, ooh, that that single friend. You're like, tell me what's going on. And they're like, oh, it's, it's horrible out there. But I feel like when we were. We've had the first time to meet for, uh, through Pepper Lane. We were in a jacuzzi, and I'm like, <laughs> that sounds weird. That's a whole other story. That's a whole other story. <laughs> you know that jacuzzi time because we just ladies yeah, who lunch did. and That's just always in jacuzzis. Life. No, Pepper Lane was very nice to their community leaders and took us to a spa. So I was like, Susan, because yes, everyone's been awesome. saying Susan, Susan, Susan. So I was like, it was I, I cornered her in a jacuzzi. Um, it was great. Yeah. So you said it's actually quite lovely out there it's not it's not a dark and dreary place you said uh, you didn't say lovely but you said there's a lot of options yeah actually it can be quite lovely um and, <laughs> and it what matters and in some ways it's it's a lot about what we're talking about in terms of relationships and how you strengthen them it's really about how you approach it mm-hmm. and what your intention is and if you know how to approach it in a way and you kind of do what you need to do to set yourself up to be more successful you can have a really good time and you can meet really quality people and develop relationships. So is your first step getting yourself kind of together? So if you're like not in a good place, you maybe you just got a divorce or you just broke up in a relationship, right. what are kind of the steps that you recommend? I know it varies for every person. Yeah, but. so I really encourage people to take time when a relationship ends before they start thinking about dating or developing a new relationship. And that time is about grieving for the end of the relationship, even if it was your choice. There's still a grieving process you need to go through. And it's about reconnecting with who you are individually outside of that relationship and also taking time to really understand what worked and what didn't in that relationship, what you want and need going forward. And I also talk a lot about identifying like what your part was in the dynamic because we all play a part in every dynamic. It doesn't mean we're responsible for someone else's behavior, but but we play a role in it. Mm-hmm. And it's really important for us to understand that. What happens, I think, is when people don't take the time out to do that. And and they can do that kind of work through coaching or therapy, through groups, journaling, meditation. There's a lot of different things, excuse me, people can do. Um, People then, if they don't do that, then they tend to repeat patterns. Hmm. And that's why people find themselves in the same kind of relationship over and over. And it's also why I think the divorce rate goes up for second, third, and fourth marriages because Mm -hmm. people are just repeating patterns without even realizing it. Wow. And you do some, you do workshops like dating workshops Mm -hmm. and things like that. Right. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things to do. I have a two hour dating and relationship workshop. And the first part is about what people can do to set themselves up to be more successful and have more fun because people don't think dating is fun anymore. And then the second part is a deeper dive into how to navigate the dating world, both online and in real life. And Mm -hmm. then I do an even deeper dive into online dating and everything from how many photos you should have to the number of words in a profile summary and how to assess profiles and so forth. That's great. What is the terrain like? Is it very based on age or in terms of like where you go? Like, what would you suggest people go? Do they usually set up a profile on a certain site or Um, just keeps changing? Yeah. So um, (laughs) there are a lot of different sites. I often will recommend Match because it's the largest um, dating site. So you have a really big pool. And again, you have to know how to present yourself no matter what site you're on and how to assess people really well. 
in order to be more successful on it. Um, but but Match is a good site because it's a really large pool of people to, to select mm. from. Mm. And other sites, I, I mean, I'm not going to go into all the detail yeah. about all the other sites, but um, there are lots of other good sites. Mm. It's just important to know the culture of each of the right. site and be be aware of what you're looking for and what you want because different sites have different kind of personalities, so to speak. Okay. And do you talk about safety and that kind of thing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah safety is a huge part of what I talk about. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because there, the reality is there are a lot of nefarious people out there. And mm-hmm. again, you need to know how to identify them. Yeah. And you also need to know kind of how much to share and when and, you know, not share personal um, contact information right away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Meet in a public place. Let somebody know where you're meeting. Get their last name so you can do a actual brief Google search before you meet them. Mm, That's a smart idea. Do you have like a friend kind of at the bar (laughs) making sure (laughs) peeping through the windows? You can. Although what I say is, so I'm, I'm divorced. I've been divorced a while and I've been in the trenches, so to speak. So I have the expertise and also the personal experience. And I often start my workshops by saying I've never had a bad first date. And it's because I know how to present myself and Mm. how to assess people and to be really selective so that by the time I'm going to meet somebody, I have a lot of information from them, not just from their profile, but through the communication up front. I don't just connect. Well, I'm in a relationship now, but when I was dating, I wouldn't just connect with somebody online and immediately go meet them for a drink. Mm -hmm. I want to gather information because Mm. that's going to help me know more about them and help me understand two things really are they a good quality person and might they be a good fit for me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. those are the two questions you really want to have when you're in the dating process Mm -hmm. well i met my husband on jdate the jewish dating service that's awesome that's where like three out of seven of us met our husbands and my group of friends so i feel like almost when you someone meets their partner a normal like normal way i'm like really like if they just met him (laughs) through a friend like it just seems (laughs) so it just seems so normal to meet people that way. And I always, I was, I wasn't in a great place when I was um, online, but I, I think if I wasn't open-minded and give particular someone, my husband, a chance, <laughs> like the profile wasn't, wasn't good. The picture wasn't good. Um, but I'm like, you know what, whatever, like, who am I to say I'm too good for this person? And <laughs> I met him and he was like much more attractive, much more, little less nerdy than I thought. So, I mean, I just encourage my friends who are looking to give people a try, but maybe I try, I am too open. Yeah, (laughs) but I think that's such a good point because on the one hand, I encourage people to be really selective. At the same time, I really want people to be open to possibility Mm. because you never know, first of all, like how or when or where you're going to meet someone and, and it can help to give people a chance. You know, sometimes people are nervous on a first date, you know, if there's enough good stuff there. Give them a second chance. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, being open to possibility is is critical in this process. People get really kind of tunnel vision about, you know, what they want and need, right. and they have to be a certain height. They have or, to look like specifically. Right, right. Yeah. Or, you know, I think you just need a good Netflix buddy. <laughs> I mean, it's... There's, Sometimes. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of things that go into marriage, I think. I mean, I'm no expert, but... We're talking, we're going on to 11 years here and, you know, just the, the partnership, the teamwork, definitely yeah. some things to improve upon. I have one more, well, maybe not one more, but I'm very focused on the, the single life. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> so let's say there's someone who is not getting second dates. What, what do you advise? Um, what do you think is going on there? They're just like a serial first dater. I mean... 
Does that happen a lot in your experience? And It, it can, mm-hmm. actually. And when that happens, I think it's really important to look at how you're, who you're selecting, how you're communicating with them, how you're showing up on the date, and really kind of doing a little bit of work, maybe some coaching to understand like what's going on for you. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I sometimes will have clients who say, you know, I want a relationship and then who they're selecting are not people who are fully available, Mm -hmm. let's say. Mm -hmm. And so that suggests that maybe there's some ambivalence there. You know, they want a relationship on one level and they're, they're, you know, there's something else going on that's keeping them from choosing people who they might be able to move forward with to a second date in this mm-hmm. example. Okay. Um, so there's usually something going on underneath that mm-hmm. might be getting in the way. And it can be really helpful to talk with somebody about what those things might be and figure out how to kind of get, remove or get through that obstacle. Okay. I feel like you would be the right person to, oh. to figure that out. <laughs> Definitely. I want to go to one of your workshops just for fun. It just sounds fun. Like I have this secret desire to be like a matchmaker. Yeah. yeah. I just think that would be a lot. Do you ever do that as well? So many people have suggested <laughs> I be a matchmaker. I'll and be your assistant. <laughs> I, uh, I have not taken on that role yet. And who yet. knows? You want me to sing said yet. matchmaker? <laughs> I hate to brag, but fourth grade summer camp, I was uh, the lead. And oh. that's the only good role I've gotten in theater. So oh, whenever awesome. I can interweave um, Fiddler on the Roof references, oh, I'm One good. of my favorites. Oh, can't be getting yeah. better. So yeah. matchmaker. Um so we'll talk about the matchmaking later. Yeah, oh, so fun. <laughs> it's Sounds a whole so fun. Podcast, right? <laughs> Ooh, we can have different. We can ha- use the TV, and we can have like what was that Chuck Chuck Berry show Two and Two um, Love Connection? Oh, oh right. Where they'd have them on the screen, right, right, and the side. Oh God, that show was great. And he's like, "I'll be back in Two and Two. Yes. I have older siblings, so I was, I was watching TV. Say. I know. I, <laughs> I I'm like definitely eighties enough for that. <laughs> no, but I was watching like all the eighties movies and like. MTV, so I was, I was raised by the TV in a lot of ways, and this is this is the product of that. Um, so, not to put you guys on the spot, but I guess that's what we're here for. Like, what are some some types of people or situations where they came to you guys, and then you've kind like some success stories? Like, what what are you able to do for them? Like, any specifics? Um, like, maybe someone who was really having trouble in the dating world, but then you told them to do this, this, and this, and look mm-hmm. at them now. Um, yeah, so I, uh, one of my very first clients actually was a woman who was approaching 50, had never been married, had no children, really wanted to be married and hadn't had success with relationships at all. And we spent several months in coaching, um, and also getting her online and revamping her profile and so forth. And really challenging, I really was challenging her around some of these kind of fixed ideas that she had about, you know, who was right for her and so forth, and really working on opening her up to more possibility. And she eventually um, met somebody online and got married and is living happily ever after. I love that. Um, So yeah, but it was really about her being willing to think about things in a different way, think about herself in a different way, think about what a a, a good partner for her might look like Mm. and being willing to do the work to, to make those shifts. That's, Mm. that's huge. Cause I think, you know, the time, you know, time's ticking and people are like, Oh, if I haven't found anyone by 35, 40, it's like, it's over. So Mm -hmm. I think that's really, um, that's a positive story. Thank you for that. Sure. Yeah. And so for me in my practice, I work, um, specifically 
with married and committed couples. And I would say the majority of folks that come to me are really at a place where um, they're really stuck and really feeling unsure about their relationship. They want to make it work. I would say most people are like, we really want to make this marriage work, but we've been in such a bad place for so long, we don't know how. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I've helped a lot of couples learn how. And a lot of times that means figuring out how to communicate better. That's probably the number one complaint I hear from people. We can't communicate. So that ends up in lots of conflict. And it's the conflict that really chips away um, at the relationship because they don't know how to do it well. So they're hurting each other. They're triggering each other. And each and every time they have another of the same argument, they're re-triggering each other and hurting each other more. So really, I help them interrupt those patterns to just really get some boundaries around how do they manage their conflict and learn how to communicate better with each other so that they can get back to feeling more connected, feeling more in love, and getting back to the relationship that they once had. Um, and so that really is like been my primary focus is helping people manage those conflict patterns, being able to communicate better and get back to the relationship they want. Do you think even someone in the the worst place can, with those tools, can come out on the other side or? I believe so. I mean, I've seen it. I've Mm -hmm. seen people in really bad places like thinking, yeah, this isn't going to work. We're not going to make it. This is headed for divorce and actually turn it around. There really, there has to be a willingness and a commitment. Like if people come in and you can tell when somebody's already got one foot out the door and they're really like, eh. but the couples that truly come in and are really committed and want to make it work, absolutely it can be changed. Hmm. That's really amazing. That's amazing I agree. work you I guys are doing. I think most things are workable. Totally. You know, short of abuse and Well, that's what really it is. I'm severe. saying they're not deal breaker issues right, that people right. are coming in with. They Jen. feel like it when they yes. come in, and they're actually not. They just right. need tools and right. understanding. And but I agree also about the commitment yes. to the work. If really they're committed easy. and they want it to work, and definitely right. can make it work. Was it happening often that both are super committed? Is that like, or are they kind of dragging the husband I it, in? I think it varies. Yeah. And it's not always the wife dragging the husband in either. No, you know, that's good. I, I mean, I definitely see a mix. I've got mm-hmm. men reaching out to me as mm. maybe as equally as much as women. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. I'm just curious, like, we were talking about it before we went on air. Just some of the, what's like, what's going on with some of the men? Because I hear a lot, you know, in circles where you know, he's not doing as much, um, he never helps around the house, or, um, you know, I'm the primary one doing all this stuff for the kids. But I'm just curious, like, what's going on? It's a very general statement, but what are some of the things that are going, that are showing up in your practices? Well, well, the first thing I wanted to say to that, and then I'll let Susan talk, but it's not always the men that are saying that. I mean, not always the women that I'm sorry, yeah, not yeah. always the women that yeah, are saying that. I know I'm that. generalizing. I'm there, no, I I know what you're saying, but there's also a lot of men that will come in and say, "I'm doing all the cleaning. Really? I'm taking care of all the house stuff. She's not doing anything, well, right?" And and I think the reality is, like in any relationship, there's whether it's a husband and wife or a same sex, you know, there's often one person who feels like they're doing more and, right. you know, doing an extraordinary amount more mm-hmm. than, than their partner. Right. And so, you know, the question is, okay, well, how do you, how do you fix that? How mm-hmm. do you work on that? And mm-hmm. so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree. It's not always right. Huh. what you think. Interesting. Yeah. Cause you know, I, I, 
when I hear people that are just like, oh, we have so much sex, we have such a great marriage, I'm just like, tell me more. Like it's <laughs> like it's like, I mean, not to say you know, but it's you don't hear the I don't I'm not hearing as much positive. I mean, maybe it's because I'm in the trenches with younger kids, mm-hmm. um, but I. Even in my own thoughts, I feel I kind of feel bad for the men sometimes in terms of like, you know, they let's say in if a stay at home mom relationship, they're working hard. My husband pretty much told me he wants to come home and relax. And it wasn't like that. It just kind of came up naturally. It wasn't when we were fighting. It was like, whoa, that was a bold statement. (laughs) That was bold because when I'm home, I see home as a to do list, which is something I have to work on, you know, so. So he's actually helped mellow me a lot because yeah. he's just so mellow. Um, but it's I'm just always curious, like where. Well, where the I men think when you from. have those sort of traditional roles, if it is like the man is going off to work and the woman staying home and raising the children, I think you do run into that situation, right? right. Where he may came, come home and feel like, okay, I'm off the clock. I went and I I worked all day, right. and sort of your job is the home. And and that can cause a lot of friction, especially when you have young children, right? Mm-hmm. Because then the mom's at home all day, exhausted from taking care of the kids. That's a job that's unpaid and probably a lot harder than working outside the home. So it's really about uh, what are the expectations mm-hmm. and being having some agreements around those. If you're not talking about it and you just sort of fall into it, then, yeah, there's going to be a lot of problems. So it's really, I think, something that people need to be talking about and just negotiating and deciding what what's the expectation for each of us and, and coming to some agreement on that. And I think talking nicely, like that doesn't come easy. Like, <laughs> like just not having a tone, not having the right. resentment. Like, I think all my husband would really want is for me to be nice. <laughs> but yeah. that seems to be a, like I keep being stuck. Like, what can I do better? Oh, just be nice, I guess. Like, just a little nicer, a little less edgy. Yes. Apparently, I have um, some sarcasm. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so, so it's it's. I I don't think it's. I think I I, I overcomplicate it. You know. Yeah. Um, but I'm also interested, like, some of my friends, like, they they can be a little rough around the edges to their husband, but they don't have, like, the guilt. Like, I'm constantly, like, trying to be better, and then I go off the handle, and then I'm like, oh, look. But in my husband's mind, he's, I'm kind of an all or nothing. He sees it as, yeah, once in a while you're like that. But he, does, he doesn't have the same point of view. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's it's definitely very interesting. So, guys, thank you so much for coming. I was wondering if you have you know, a small nugget of advice before we go off the air and before you give all your contact information just to give the audience something to walk away with. What do you think? No, I was just going to say when you were talking about what you were saying about being kind, that that would sort of be one, the nugget that I would right? would grab onto is like be kind. Like so we are always giving kindness and being so nice to the people out side or you know the people in the grocery store or the po- whatever the post office like we need to bring that kindness to the person that we say we love the most right mm-hmm. and that goes so far just simple kindness even if it's a little phony i think it's okay it's like you'll fake it till you make it right sure Absolutely. you could be phony. in your head be like yes honey like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's okay yeah. yeah my uh my coach my success coach jess miller actually was talking about different avatars Mm-hmm. to step into so like when my husband yes. comes home who can like, you be yeah who can right. i be 
I was talking about like Betty. Is there like a Betty homemaker type, like 1950s? Like I can play the role mm-hmm. a little bit, at least that tone of voice. But she thought I was saying Betty Crocker. <laughs> so she's like, when you're Betty Crocker, I'm like, that's kind of funny within mm-hmm. itself. But that's like I do the same physical yeah. like hug and then transition into yeah. Betty homemaker. So and I did that a little bit and I thought it was super phony. Like I was almost being a little bit of a jerk. He was like, okay with it. Yeah. He was like, I'll take it what I can get. Yeah, there he was go. like, hi, wow. And it's so interesting. You, you, I think you want that person to change, but I think the only hope I notice is if I'm nice, right. then things well, And then if you keep and, doing that, it's just going to become your habit, right? Your new normal. Crazy. Until you don't have to think about it anymore. It just is, right? just be nice. Right. It's what we talked about earlier about the repetition. Right. You know, when you try to change a habit or a behavior or a way of thinking, it's about kind of doing what feels unnatural at first and Mm. just practicing and doing it over and over. And it's that repetition that makes the change happen. So it's not so much that it's phony. I think it's just awkward because for any time you're making (laughs) change, it doesn't feel comfortable. Yeah. Right. So think of it less as a, in terms of like, oh, I'm being phony. It's just, no, I'm kind of getting over this awkward hurdle of trying to do something new. new right? Yeah, that's exactly. a great way of looking at it. Right. I went to this lecture. We had a date night, which we don't do often. It was, um, do you know Valerie Vagoda? She, I, I don't know. Maybe she might have been one of the Pepperly meetings you went to. Mm-hmm. So she's a friend of mine. She does lectures all over the country um, and knows how to deal with difficult people. And I'm like, let's go to that so you can learn how to deal with me. Um, and one of the introduction things she did was she said, okay, introduce yourself with the opposite hand and your last name first and your, you know, right. or your last name first. And she's like, that's kind of how it feels to do a new habit. It's that's like right. awkward. I thought exactly. that was, that, that, that's right. not a nugget. Yeah, that's great. Isn't yeah, that it good? Is you great. guys feel free yes. to use that. I'm you can give Valerie will. to go to credit. You can meet <laughs> her and be like, we talked about it. So any other uh, tips, yeah, Susan? Well, one other thing, um, actually, it's in line with what Denise was saying, is that we also need to be kinder and more compassionate with ourselves oh, as yes. well. And it, in some ways, it actually really starts there. Mm-hmm. Um, when I talk about being a relationship coach, it's about relationship with self and with other. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. our relationship with ourselves is what has such a huge impact on how we connect with mm-hmm. others and certainly with with our dates or partners. Mm-hmm. Um, so learning to really be more compassionate with yourself and paying attention to how you talk to yourself oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. and being mindful. Um, I'm really big about language and the words that we use about ourselves and about other yes. people and situations and words are powerful. Mm-hmm. And so really learning to be mindful about that and becoming more self-compassionate, I think mm-hmm. is also yeah, like important. if you're making a mistake, you don't say, oh, I always do this. Exactly. Like, right. Okay, I'm learning. Right. You know, it, it, it's crazy. I, I'm super, I've always been told I'm sensitive, like I get upset easily. You know, I empathetic, I guess, is the, that side of it. So I'm noticing how words are so important mm-hmm. to me right. and how, you know, I notice other people. I'm like, ooh, you're not talking nicely to yourself. But then they're like, you're so hard on yourself. I'm like, mm, I am. Yes. <laughs> I notice it. So, yeah, um, yeah. but thank you so much. This was a lot sure. of fun. So, Susan, what's the best way to find you? Sure. Yeah. So you can find me on my website at susantrotterphd.com or on Facebook um, at the same name. I'm also uh, work closely with a group called Vesta, which helps people in all phases of divorce. And you can also find me there and find lots of great information and resources and events at VestaDivorce.com. Awesome. What about you, Denise? What's the so, best yeah, you can find me on my website at RelationshipCounselingOfWalpole.com. You can also find me on Facebook, and it's Denise Fitzpatrick 
uh, I think it's Marriage and Relationship Coach is the name of my business page, and I'm posting there quite frequent, frequently, uh, doing live videos as well, and have some great tips on there. Uh, on my website, I do have a guide, uh, less... Uh, Transform. The five ways to transform your relationship. Yeah, I think it's less fighting, more talking, or something like Ooh. that, which you can opt in on my website as well. And awesome. you can also find all of us on Pepper Lane. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's how, that's pretty much how we met. I also met you through, through She Breathes and Walpole, or did yes. it start with Pepper? I think Pepper Lane. Pepper Lane. I went to one of your boosts. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so many ways. This is right. why it's so easy to get guests on the show because we meet so many awesome people. And I was thinking while you guys were talking, it's kind of stressful things, but because you guys are zen and positive, I feel like you're the right people to go for these stressful things. So thank, thank you for you. being on Thanks the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. This, this was, was fun. fun. Yeah.